0: Welcome to The Gregory Diggow Podcast. Well, I want to thank you for giving and honoring God today. And Lord, I just thank you for your healing hand in every life. Thank you for touching every person. Thank you, Lord, that they're going to hear exactly what you intended for them to hear today. Thank you for anointing my words. Thank you for anointing each of our ears. Thank you for our families, salvations. Thank you, Lord, for blessing and increase in every area of each person's life today. Thank you, Father, for touching. Where no one can reach, reaching where no human can reach into the heart of every man, every woman, every child watching today in Jesus name. Amen. Well, you know, today I want to speak to you about something God spoke to me early on in the pandemic and something that I think in the in the toughest time, maybe in the month of April towards the end or the month of May when there was just so much uncertainty and such a lack of clarity. And there was it was it was kind of sad. It was really a sad time and a negative time in uh, in so many people's lives. And I know so many people are dealing with things still today. And I'm believing God that God's going to heal you. God's going to fix it. God's going to turn it all around. But God spoke to me and he said, start writing this down, son. And so I wrote this down, shared some of this on a Wednesday night service, and I want to bring it to you now this morning and this Sunday to really bless you with a word from God and what it is. I want to talk to you about five reasons to be optimistic today. Five reasons to be optimistic today. And uh, one of the definitions for optimism is hopefulness and confidence, hopefulness and confidence about the future or the successful outcome of something. Now with now with God, we can always have optimism because we are hopeful because his love has been shed abroad in our hearts. The Bible says in Romans Chapter five, we have hope because his love has been shed abroad in our hearts and faith is the substance of things hoped for. So the idea of hopefulness, the idea of confidence, the idea of optimism is God's idea and hopefulness and confidence about the future or the successful outcome of something, no matter what things look like right now, we're going to have a successful outcome. You're going to have a successful outcome in your life, no matter what it looks like today, that is optimism you know it reminds me of the story once you might have heard this one about the baby mosquito the baby mosquito had just arrived from his first flight he was so happy he was so positive he was so encouraged and then his mother asked him about how his flight was he with full enthusiasm said it was amazing and she said why was it amazing He said, because wherever I went, all the people were clapping for me everywhere. I went, all the people were clapping for me. That baby mosquito had optimism, that baby mosquito had confidence, that baby mosquito had perspective really is what he had as well. And I want you to know, no matter what's going on in your life. God is going to turn the jeers into cheers, he's going to turn whatever's sour into something sweet. Optimism, so many people look at life negative and look at life and look at things in a negative way. Or so many of us sometimes expect something negative to happen or we speak something negative and we experience negative results. Today, all that's about to change. Are you ready for this? Because God is a positive God. In Second Corinthians, chapter one, verse 20, he said all the promises as many promises as you can find if they're from God, if they're the promises of God in the Bible. And there's over seven thousand of them. For as many. As are the promises of God in Christ. They are all yes. And therefore, also through him is our amen through him is our amen. We must The the media might not give us a reason to say amen. The news might not give us a reason to say amen. Your checkbook right now or your bank statement right now might not be a reason to say amen. But in him. Through him is our amen to the glory of God. Through him is our amen. You may not have a reason to amen. When you look around, but through him is our amen. Why? Because all the promises of God are yes. Boy, we have to believe that. John, Chapter 15, verse seven, Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask whatever you wish and it will be done. Wow, that's reason to be optimistic today, gang. Those are reasons. Well, let me get into this. I got five reasons that I want to tell you. Number one, God hears you. The first reason to be optimistic, to be hopeful, to be encouraged today, to be encouraged any day, no matter what season we're in, no matter what trial you're in, no matter what you're facing. God hears you. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is Psalm one hundred and sixteen, verse one, Psalm one hundred and sixteen verse one. And listen to this powerful scripture. I love the Lord because he hears my voice. I love the Lord because he hears me because he hears me. You know, you need to understand something. Sometimes you won't be able to get through to some people and they won't hear you. Some listen, the governor might not hear you. Your mayor might not hear you. The president might not hear you. But listen, the Lord hears you. I love the Lord because he hears my voice. This is not only a reason to be optimistic, a reason to be encouraged, a reason to be hopeful in these days, a reason to be confident in these days. Not only is it a reason to be confident, but it's also a reason, the reason why we love him. I love the Lord. Why? Because he hears my voice. Listen, God listens. God has so much empathy. God is always listening. God, he's always speaking. His word is always speaking to us too. But his heart is always listening no matter what you're going through. That says in the next verse in verse two, because he is inclined his ear to me. Wow. That word incline. He's inclined. He's he's bent his ear towards me. Boy, be encouraged today, no matter what's going on in your life, he hears you, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter who's not listening. Jesus is listening. You have a prayer. He's hearing you. You have a worry. He hears you. You want to come to the throne of grace and you want to put your cares and anxieties on. You want to tell him about your anxiety. He hears you. You want to tell him what you're afraid of. He hears you. you want to tell him what you're frustrated about. He hears you. Number one reason to be optimistic today. He hears you, he hears you, he hears you, he hears you. I love that truth. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. I love the Lord because he hears me. He hears my cry. He hears my prayer. He hears my whisper. He hears my heart. He hears your cry. He hears your prayer. He hears your whisper. He hears your heart. Number two. Jesus is touched. This is the second reason to be optimistic today, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what's going on in the world, no matter what you're struggling with. No matter what you're fighting against, no matter what you're up against, Jesus is touched by your feelings. You know, there's something about emotions. And for years I've been teaching about how to master your emotions, how to not let your emotions control you. We all have emotions. We just can't let our emotions have us. When you make a decision based purely on your emotions, it's usually going to be a bad decision because God didn't create us to be ruled or controlled or governed by our emotions, but rather governed by the spirit of God, governed by his wisdom, governed by his word, governed by his love. And and yet I think one of the best things that ever happened to me in my emotions and in my struggle to overcome and my struggle to to really get in control of my emotions, to master my emotions, take charge, as we wrote in one of our books, to take charge of our emotions. One of the things that really helped me was to realize that Jesus is affected by my feelings. It says in Hebrews, Chapter four, verse 15, and I want to read this to you from the King James Bible. Uh, it look at what how precious it is about Jesus and what he says about us. Hebrews, Chapter four, verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is not touched. With the feeling. Of our infirmities. In all things, he was tempted, yet without sin. But notice what he says there. Our high priest, Jesus, he's touched. With our feelings, our infirmities, which is our weaknesses. And when I realized that. He's touched by that, like he's affected, like it reaches him. my feelings are not something that he's that he ignores. Your feelings are not something he ignores. So often, I think we express our feelings and we express negativity towards others because we just don't feel. Like we've been heard or that our feelings have been understood. But Jesus is touched with our feelings. Have you felt. Mistreated, he's touched by that. Have you felt alone? He's touched by that. Have you felt lonely? He's touched by that. Have you felt discouraged? That touches him. You got to understand, like he is. A savior that's so beautiful, he respects your feelings when you can take those feelings to him, knowing that he's touched by them. He's not going to say, how dare you have that feeling? How dare you feel that? How dare you feel that? No, no, no. He's touched with your feelings, with your weaknesses in all things. Therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Wow. You see, One of the reasons we can come boldly now, of course, we can come boldly to the throne of grace because we're the righteousness of God through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. We reign in life. He became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God to be in right standing with God and to have the rights that he gives us in Christ by the blood of Jesus. Not because we earned it or deserved it. So that's one of the reasons we can come boldly any time to the throne of his grace. But here he connects our boldness in verse 16 back to verse 15. He says we can come boldly in verse 16 because of what verse 15 says, because our high priest, he's touched with our feelings. He's not offended. He's not mad that you felt what you felt. He's not upset that you felt what you felt. He's not shocked. He's not disappointed. This is why, man, he knows what you're going through. He knows what you felt. Be encouraged today. Be positive today. Be expectant today, be optimistic today, be confident today, because your high priest Jesus, he's been touched, he's touched by your feelings and he welcomes you to still come boldly to the throne of his grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help. In any time. Of need. boy, I love what Psalm thirty four, verse eighteen says when he says that God is near to the broken hearted. Have you, has your heart been broken? Our hearts break because of disappointment. Our hearts break because of betrayal. Our hearts break when we feel rejected, our hearts break for a number of reasons. Our hearts break when somebody we thought was going to come through for us. Didn't come through. Our hearts break when we feel rejection we were, we were turned down or we were mistreated or we were marginalized. And you know what? Not only is God near to the brokenhearted, but he saves those that are crushed. He saves those that have been crushed. He doesn't leave you crushed. He saves the crushed. He's near and he saves, you know, sometimes I think we just see Jesus as our savior when it comes to saving us from our sins. But he saves us when we're crushed, He saves us when we're devastated. He saves us when we're broken hearted. He saves us when we're disappointed. He saves us when we fail. He saves us when we blow it. Many are the afflictions, he goes on to say the very famous verse in verse 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Boy, you got to love this. It says in Luke chapter four, verse 18, Jesus said, I I came to preach the gospel. The Holy Spirit's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. the first thing he comes to do is to preach the gospel. The first thing that Jesus offers is the good news of his sacrifice for our sins. He anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Once you're saved, the next thing and the next most important thing that he does in the New King James Bible, it'll show you, it says he heals. The brokenhearted, he heals the brokenhearted. The first thing he does after he saves us is he heals our hearts. Well, I love this about Jesus. I love this about how he's touched by our feelings. I love what Isaiah chapter forty-two verse three says. I'll read it to you in a few translations. A bruised reed he will not break and a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. He will faithfully bring forth justice. Are you bruised? He's not going to break you. Is your is your candle just dimly burning? He's not going to put it out. You know, I, some candles, man, I'm allergic, I think, to some some candle. The smell of some candles really bother me. Maybe not allergic, uh, physically, but emotionally maybe I'm like, oh, I can't stand that smell. So I extinguish those candles when I see him around the house and I'm like, oh, that that's not the smell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> be encouraged. Jesus will never <laughs> you. He will never extinguish you. You might be down to the smallest little flicker of a flame. But he is not going to put you out. He is not going to extinguish you. He is not going to blow you out. He's going to blow you up. Somebody needs to say amen to that through him is our amen. I love what he says in the New Living Translation, he will not crush the weakest reed. He will not put out a flickering candle. He will bring justice to all who have been wronged. Listen, we have got to get a hold of this. This world is not going to give justice to those that have been wronged. Sometimes we get it right. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes our our country gets it right. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes your country gets it right. Sometimes it doesn't. But let me tell you something. He will bring justice to all who have been wronged. You know, some people who have been wronged, some people who have been mistreated, have gotten justice. And then there's a lot of people who have been mistreated that haven't gotten justice in a system of humanity, in a human system. Some people get it. And some people don't. But Jesus will bring justice to all who have been wronged. To all man, that includes me. That includes. Raise your hand, man. That includes you. That includes you. He will bring justice to all who have been wronged. Well, I can't go on to the next point without sharing this verse from the message Bible as well. It's been, I think, probably. One of our top two or three themes all spring, all summer into this fall now. Whew. He won't brush aside the bruised and the hurt. He won't disregard the small and the significant, but he will steadily and firmly set things right. Boy, don't you love that? He won't brush aside the bruised He's not like, get away from me, kid. He's not like, I'm sorry, I'm more important things to do. I got a world to save. Your problems are not my problem. Your problems are not so bad. Stop your whining, kid. That's not how God is. That's now. Yeah, there are some things we need to stop complaining about. There are some things we need to stop whining about. We need to be more thankful than we are complaining. We need to take our our concerns to the Lord. But let me tell you something. Nothing small and insignificant to him. It all matters. He knows uh, the Bible says he knows every hair on your head. He's got every one of your hairs numbered. And listen, all the ones down the drain, even those have numbers. God knows every one of those things. He matters to God. He won't brush aside the bruised and the hurt. He won't disregard the small and the insignificant, but he will steadily and firmly set things right. Man, this is where we we don't have to. Take revenge, no matter what you're dealing with. Revenge is not God's way. That's the world's way. That's the devil's way. That's bitterness's way. But he will steadily and firmly set things right. Whew. He won't tire. He won't quit. The next part of the verse says he won't be stopped until he's finished his work to set things right on earth far flung ocean islands wait expectantly for his teaching i know there's some of you from some of the islands that are <laughs> that are with us in our global community god bless you but you see how he's going to make things right this earth is not too big for him he formed it in the palm of his hand he spoke it into existence with a word let there be light ha. He's got you. If he's got this earth. If he's got the universe, he's got the heavens. He's got it all in his hands. He's got you. Nothing's too small, nothing's too insignificant for him. He's got you. Number three. The third reason, man, this makes me so optimistic, it makes me so confident, confident today. Remember, optimism. Sometimes we look at that word as a well, that's a secular, worldly word that we Christians shouldn't use. This is our word. We're not letting the devil have this word. this is our word. This belongs to us. This belongs to the church. This belongs to the body of Christ. This belongs to the believer. This belongs to the sons and daughters of God. Optimism, hopefulness and confidence, he says about the future man the future is bright the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn it gets brighter and brighter and brighter until the full day this is our word this is our time this is your hour this is the time to look up expecting to receive something from god this is our time to be hopeful this is our time to rejoice this is our time to praise him Anyway, this is our time to know that He's got us and everything we believe for, everything we pray for, every word we speak, God is making sure those things come to pass and setting everything right. Whew. His angels are going and carrying out the voice of His word. When you speak His word, man, powerful things happen. This optimism, this positive spirit, this. This encouraging hopefulness and confidence is ours, it's yours. Don't let anyone take your crown of victory, don't let anyone take your crown of royalty, don't let anyone take your crown of your identity in Christ. The head and not the tail, let it permeate your thinking. Number three, it's okay. one of the things that makes me be able to look forward to the future and to today and our future. It's okay to be angry. And sometimes I think we. We suppress our emotions and then. It's like a volcanic eruption at the. And you hit us at the right perfect storm, the wrong moment at the wrong time and boom there's an explosion of emotion because God didn't wire us to carry around our anger. He did say though to be angry. He actually says to be angry, but not to sin, not to let it lead you to sin. Be angry, but don't sin. Right if Ephesians 4:26. Be angry, yet do not sin. Don't let that sin, don't let the anger lead you to sin. In other words, don't let the anger lead you to make a decision out of that anger. Let your emotions subside before you decide in any area of life, let your emotions subside before you decide be angry, but take it to the Lord, be angry, but take it out on the devil. You foul thing you you remember where I taught you He's under your feet. So if you ever need to talk to the devil, just hey devil. I'm taking it out on you. I'm, I'm crushing you under my feet. You got nothing. You, all power and authority has been given to me, not you. If you're going to be angry, man, take it out on the devil under your feet or take it to God. But don't take it out on yourself. It makes you depressed. Don't take it out on a loved one. It breaks relationships, it damages relationships. And look at what it says it does. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, God didn't wire us to carry anger around longer than twenty four hours at a time. Man, he said, don't let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, you can have those emotions, but don't go to sleep with them. Deal with that. Go to God, express upward and you won't. You won't suppress, depress or express outward. But notice what it also protects you from by being angry, but not but dealing with it the right way, going to God with it. Do not give the devil an opportunity, verse twenty seven says, do not give the devil an opportunity. See, when you hold on to the bitterness, when you hold on to what somebody did to you, when you hold on to anger, it gives the devil an opportunity. The devil wants you to blame others for your anger. But there's no one to blame but the devil. Sometimes it is our fault, but Jesus redeems it, he can turn it around. See, this is what frees me from bitterness, knowing because I've been mistreated, just like you have I've mistreated people just like you have as well. But the thing that delivers me from becoming bitter from any of it is that I know that God is going to turn it around. I know this is his nature. He's the turnaround king. So I'm not going to give the devil an opportunity to mess that up. And neither are you beginning today. You know, I love what it says in the the NIV version it says, do not give the devil a foothold. It's I'm not letting him grab a hold of my foot when he when you give the devil a foothold, that means he's got something tied to your feet, tied to your foot, you know, and you can't. It, it, it impedes your progress. It impedes your movement. You can't move forward because he's got a foothold on you. There's a man when, when when I would play with my kids when they were little, all I had to do was grab their little foot and they couldn't go anywhere. Just, you know, total control when somebody's got a foothold, a hold of your foot. Be loosed. Give that anger to God and be loosed from that foothold the devil's had in your life and caused so much damage. Jesus is your healer today. I like what he says in the Amplified version, verse twenty seven. And do not give the devil an opportunity to lead you into sin. Notice what he says. Do not give the devil an opportunity to lead you into sin by holding a grudge or nurturing anger or harboring resentment or cultivating bitterness. What an incredible verse. Let me read that to you again. Do not give the devil an opportunity to lead you into sin by holding a grudge. This is what leads a person into sin by holding a grudge or nurturing anger. We need to nurture love, not anger or harboring resentment. The only thing we need to be harboring is the boat that God gives you. But just don't be riding it on Sunday morning when you need to be in church. Hey, or harboring resentment or cultivating bitterness. Do not give the devil an opportunity to lead you into sin by holding a grudge. Nurturing anger, harboring resentment or cultivating bitterness. And again, I would be remiss if I don't mention this verse from the message Bible. Go ahead and be angry, he says, you do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as fuel for revenge and don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. Trust God today. Trust him. He's so good. He's good at turning things around. That's why you don't have to take revenge. He will avenge you. That's why you don't have to stay angry. He's got you. Don't let that anger hurt your heart, make you sick, make you bitter. It'll affect your health. They say so many of the heart attacks people have are associated with the stress level, the anger, something somebody's so upset about. It's just that's why he said don't go to bed. God knows what he's doing physically, emotionally so many reasons, don't go to bed angry. It doesn't mean stay up all night, (laughs) stay angry and stay up. (laughs) No. Number four. Five reasons to be optimistic, to be confident today. God is doing something bigger than what you see. This gives me so much encouragement, so much positivity, so much faith so much confidence. God is doing something bigger than what you see. I love what Philippians one, verse 12 says Paul was in prison, writing to the Philippians from jail. He had been put in jail for preaching the gospel. and Look at what he says in Philippians, Chapter one, verse 12. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things watch this now, I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me. Have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Remember when I talked to you about. You got to apply the two by four turn the two into the four perspective is all about life is not happening to me. Change the two to a four. Life's not happening to me. Life is happening for me. Paul gets that. Paul understands that while he's in prison, sometimes it's Sometimes we think as soon as I'm out of this mess, that's when I'll, that's when I'll be happier. That's when progress will come. No, no, no. He says, I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. I forget what the New American Standard says, but I think it uses the word progress there for the progress of the gospel, for the progress of your life. He says, I want you to know, brethren, my circumstances have turned out what has turned in against me, has turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. I love that. Things that happened to me. Have turned into something for the glory of God, you've got to believe this man, this will make you positive no matter what is negative in your life. God is doing something bigger than what you see. I love what Ecclesiastes three eleven says he has made everything beautiful. He has made everything beautiful in its time. If it ain't beautiful yet, it ain't time yet. Leave it in the oven a little bit longer and go back to praising God, leave it in the oven a little longer and come back to the service, leave it. Leave it a li- leave it in the oven a little longer and press replay on what you're watching right now. The word of God. He has made everything beautiful in its time, in its time. Give God time. Give that harvest time. Give that person time. Give yourself time. God can in one moment turn it all around. He makes all things beautiful. In its time, Jesus took his time. After Lazarus died, he took his time after Jairus, daughter was sick and then she died. Jesus took his time. He didn't even preach one message until he was 30, didn't even get baptized till he was 30. Some people think, man, if I'm not married till I'm 30, if I'm not married, by the time I'm 30, Jesus didn't even open up his mouth and utter the word of God. Until he was 30, well, he mentioned a couple things when he was a little kid, I had to be about my father's business. So I, I give you that one for those of you who are like, no, no, no. I remember in Matthew chapter. OK, OK, OK. All right. Bob, hey, listen, I'm telling you right now, <laughs> this is so important. We get a hold of this that that there is time jesus can fix something in a day that took you years to screw up one day with god is like a thousand years a thousand years is like a day that 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 that's not something to make you worried that's something to make you realize time is nothing to him that that he he knows how to master it he has control of time And he's got an abundance of it. If you ever need a spare minute. Look at how God does things. He takes us from law to grace, from sin to righteousness, from sickness to healing, from defeat to victory. Therefore, expect things to get better, expect Things to get better every day. He takes us from the old covenant to the new covenant, from the curse to the blessing, whew, from sin to righteousness, from sorrow to joy, from night to day, from winter to summer, from seed time to harvest. He is doing something bigger and doing something better. Trust him today. Number five breakthroughs. Five reasons to be optimistic today, breakthroughs. And the light of revival are always on the other side of darkness. Don't be afraid of the dark, don't be afraid of the dark moments, don't be afraid of the dark seasons. Breakthroughs and the light of revival are always on the other side of darkness. Genesis chapter one, verse two, look at what it says. Genesis chapter one, verse two. The earth was formless. And void and darkness. Was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Listen, darkness was over everything. And then God said, let there be light and there was light. It was dark, but God didn't leave it dark on the other side of darkness, the light of revival. On the other side of what you're going through is revival. It's breakthrough. I'm at my breaking point. Guess what's on the other side of that breaking point? Your breakthrough. I feel such brokenness. Guess what's on the other side of brokenness? Breakthrough. I feel broke, period. Guess what's on the other side of being broke? Breakthrough. When you do what do it God's way, then God said, Let there be light. And it happened. We've been in some deep darkness. Isaiah 60, verse two says, behold, darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness, the people. But the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will appear upon you. Get ready for the glory. You've been through the suffering. Get ready for the glory. You've been through the valley. Get ready for the glory. You've been through the dry seasons. Get ready for the glory of God to show up and show out and show mightily and manifest powerfully in your life. Listen, I'm going to end here, but let me tell you something. Everything is working out for your good. Don't ever forget Romans eight twenty eight. God causes all things. He doesn't cause all things, but he causes all things to work together for your good you're good. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as savior and lord, pray with me right now. Just pray this out loud as we close. Heavenly Father, just pray that. Heavenly Father, I invite Jesus Christ as my savior and lord. I believe Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead. Come on, say that. I believe Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead. And from this moment forward, I'm a child of God. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, guess what? Jesus has taken out that old heart and put in a brand new one. Now, your soul, your mind, that's going to be renewed day by day through the word of God. And that's why I want you to get a copy of my book. It's absolutely free. It's my gift to you. You can download it anywhere in the world. You can I'll send you a hard copy. If you're in the U.S., anywhere else in the world, you can just go to the site on your screen and download that. And it's the fir- next steps to establish a firm foundation for this forward progressive relationship with God that you just entered into and for everybody. Lord, I just pray that everything negative will turn positive, everything. That is dark. Give every person hope that on the other side of this darkness, on the other side of dark moments, dark seasons, dark. Situations or circumstances, there is light And there is revival and there is breakthrough. And I declare breakthrough Let there be light where there's darkness in your health. Let there be light where there's darkness in your relationships. Let there be light where there's darkness in your finances. Let there be light where there's darkness in your emotions. Let there be light where there's darkness in your children. Let there be light where there's darkness in any area of your life, I declare. Let there be light now you declare. Let there be light. And let us all agree with God when he says, let there be light, light comes and it comes out of your mouth as well. In Jesus name amen start speaking light and it will dispel whatever's dark in your soul in your life in your family in your health in your finances in this earth in jesus name i love you guys we're here for you if you need anything you let us know and we'll see you at our next service god bless